Writer, so <laughs> not entirely wrong, but it's also not surprising that he <laughs> um, are we ready? Interesting. As we'll ever be. Yeah. Are we ready? The clock is going. Good morning, everyone. And after a longer than desired hiatus, semi-bookish is back in full effect. <laughs> and one day after April Fool's Day. Don't worry, we're not gonna play any jokes on you. It's in poor taste. I this mean this whole podcast is a joke. I'm just Collectively. He's not wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong. Uh, the whole crew is in, in attendance today. We got Lord Ish. We got we haven't gotten a code name for you yet, Jen, but something will happen. Jen, Aaron, Anthony, Lord Ish, you're the you're supreme. I'm, yeah, okay. No, I'm the supreme all the time. What are you talking about? Hello. <laughs> Anyways, the topic for today, funny books. Whether they're intentionally funny, I mean, written to be funny in the vein of Christopher Moore, uh, Tim Dorsey, or it's just a book that made you laugh to the point of tears and almost pee yourself. And I have an example of that book that I'll bring up later. Well, I'm right. um, unintentionally, like it's a rather rough book. But, you know, as with every episode, let's get it rolling. What's everyone reading, watching, playing? Other than Sims 4. Gosh darn it. Let's start with Aaron. Let's I already started. Aaron. Okay. Uh, I mean, other than Sims 4, I'm actually playing The Outer Worlds right now because I bought that. Oh. So it's basically like a, for people who need a really quick explanation. The uninitiated. It's made by the people who made Fallout New Vegas. So it's essentially Fallout New Vegas, but in space. Um, <laughs> what? Fallout New Vegas, but in space. It's there's a lot of talking that goes on. It, the combat's actually really good. It's really sh- kind of short-ish unless you add in the DLCs, which are all out now. Huh? But there's a lot of talking going on. You can convince people to do things, and you can bypass a lot if you just like up your charisma and your like persuading tactics. But you get to be in the space universe. Yes. <clears throat> and travel around. Essentially, the plot, or like the non-spoilery version of the plot, is. You are part of a space colony that was supposed to be going to a world, a new world, and your ship ends up getting like frozen. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, all these other people are able to populate all these new colonies. But every colony is a corporation. So like every are. planet is a different like corporation type thing. Of course they are. <laughs> and it's like kind of really nuts. Um but, and, like, I was really floored. I walked into, like, one of these places, and I talked to somebody, and then all of a sudden it's, like, all corporate propaganda the whole time, and I'm just going, please Ooh. don't. <laughs> please don't. But um, you get unfrozen by this weird mad scientist who wants to stop the corporate, like, lifestyle for all these different planets. Sure. And so you have the choice of either going along with his plan or you can, in a roundabout way, back those corporations and go and capture the guy who unfroze you and kidnapped you. I want to play this game. It's actually really good. I really enjoy it a lot. And the characters are actually really well written. I will tell you more about these side characters later that you can take around with you because it would take way too long otherwise. (laughs) Awesome. Book-wise... kind of sold with... uh... Fallout in space. Uh, this yes, space. I'm almost spit taken. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm also reading a book called Raft of Stars by Andrew J. Graff, and it's basically like Stand by Me, the movie, the '80s movie. Oh yeah. yeah. But also like 
the book version of Stephen King's The Body, which is the book oh, basis the for story, Stand right? By Me. Yeah. yeah. Um, two kids basically think they've committed a crime and they run away into the woods. And meanwhile, like, all these adults are trying to find them, and they're trying to survive in the woods because they think that they've committed this huge crime, and they're running away. Wow. And it's really, it's really interesting to read. Hmm. Had a lot of buzz. Oh, yeah. I, I like it so far. Uh, popcorn. Uh, Jen, go. Okay. <laughs> I just last night finished rereading You'd Be Mine by Aaron Hahn, which is... Um, Country oh. superstar Clay gets told by his tour management that he needs to go get daughter of famous deceased country singers Annie to be the headliner on his tour or they're yanking his contract. They both have a lot of trauma and damage from their respective lifestyles, but it's a really good story about healing, story about coming together and making friends, and a really like interesting love song to country music. Like I know the basics and I still felt love in this book like if you listen to country you probably get more into it oh cool and then i just started a book called you belong here now by diana rostad uh set in the 20s three kids escape an orphan train from new york leap off in montana meet up with this family and they're like they all want to stay out west the family is obviously a little skeptical but we'll see how it goes i'm only about halfway through and it's good but i don't think it's going to ever be one of my favorites wait when did you start this last night of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. Halfway through. Halfway I'm through. 53 books into the year, guys. Keep up. Oh, never. <laughs> no. Okay. Even Jean can't touch that. <laughs> Great, go. Okay. Um, I just finished Darwinia by Robert Charles Wilson, and that was a wild ride. Mm. Um, okay. It kind of starts off as one thing and turns into something completely different. Was the ride from start to finish? Was it a ride from start to finish? Yeah. Yes, it was. It was. Uh, okay. Oh, fun. Yes, it's like it's it's like the skeleton ride that never ends. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I guess I'm kind of in between books at the moment. I have a I have a large hoard of science fiction and fantasy paperbacks that I'm trying to decide what to read next. A hundred thousand kingdoms. A hundred thousand kingdoms. That's high up in the in the in the in the contention of what I'm gonna. Oh, it's read, so. so good. It's like some subliminal messaging is happening here. <laughs> it's not so I'm, subliminal. I'm trying to pick up on it, but I'm just not Listen. sure if I'm reading it right. No, no, we, we, we had a whole conversation wait. about that. Yeah. Like wait a until I've read routine. <laughs> rah rah rah. Wait until book. I've completed her current collected works. I will go from. Acolyte to full blown profit. <laughs> I will. Andy, save us. Unless Grace is anything else. No, no, I'm, I'm just trying to decide what to read next. I just started uh, City of Bones this morning. Ooh, yes! Um, Welcome to the Enclave. It's, yes! It's my second time through it, and I, second, first time listening, second time through the book, mm-hmm. um, just because I really didn't, it didn't vibe with me before, but it was a number of years ago. I was a slightly different person then. <laughs> And uh, thus far, 45 minutes in, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I can't remember who the narrator is, and I'm not going to look her up right now. But if I love her at the end, and I'm loving her so far, oh, really wonderful. I did want to shout out to The Deep. Uh, and We mentioned oh, that. Oh, yeah, River um, Solomon. The only thing really preventing me from giving it a solid five stars is that I want more. Not even M-O-R-E, M-O-A-R. I want more. <laughs> it was, it, first off, voiced by my man, David. Um, who was a co-writer? Yeah. Co-writer, yeah, it was like four different authors. Three. Well, there's Rivers Solomon, Rivers, Jonathan Snipes, and the co-writers. David, David, yeah. And it talks about the kind of the descendancy of um, mermaids from 
slaves thrown overboard. The ones who okay. jumped overboard. Most more of them jumped overboard than. Oh, I, I missed that. I, I know there's clearly one example where there, oh, yeah. a woman is tossed. Right. Like, yeah. And she's in the process of dying and oh. gives birth to a mermaid. It's kind of a weird little magical moment. I'm like, whoa. So, but it's it's really quite epic. Um, and the world building, I think you'd, for what, what they did in four hours of an audio book, which is yeah. a really short book. It is, yeah. Um, I could, if it if it, they never do anything more with it, okay, I'll love this isolated. Yeah. But I would really like to see more. You know, that's a common complaint amongst, like, novellas and short stories is that mm-hmm. if they're really good, you always want more because... That's good. Yeah, it's got a whole the like drive of them, which is you know, it's okay. I'm still waiting on Kaya Shanti Wilson's novel. Anyway, we're not gonna go there. What am I reading right now? I'm reading *The Unbroken* by C.L. Clark. It's this fat <laughs> book. It's like I think it's 600 pages. No, is it 500 pages? That's a very it's, small brick. But it's, yes. it's a brick. It nice like big fat. Lovely book with a queer black woman, gen, not general, lieutenant on the cover. She looks amazing. Um, and it's basically the story of her when she meets the princess of the empire. And because she's a loyal soldier, despite how they basically colonized her, um, she decides to do something for the princess that is supposed to help the princess gain her throne. Shenanigans ensue, and there's some, you know, love in the air because, duh. Oh, of course. <laughs> yes, but it's it's like a heavy, like it's one of those epic fantasy love letters that I just can't help but devour. I'm like 64 pages in or something. It's really good All right. so far. What was the name of the author? C.L. Clark. Like le- C, letter C, letter L? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and uh, it's a debut. Oh, cool. So, yeah, Ooh, that'd be kind of interesting. She's so good. Yeah. I know you love stumbling across like someone's very first book and then... The Hundred Thousand Kingdom. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm getting survived. Amazing debuts are so rare. I'm, I'm waiting for Anthony to take this like a smack jar and just like throw it across the table like Grant going, The Hundred Thousand Kingdom. I just want someone else to appreciate this book. No, I, 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 I will read that. I'm deciding it on the podcast right now. That's the book. Yeah, I'm Oh, we're gonna hold you that way. (laughs) I'm waiting for you to come into work. Like, I woke up and Anthony was just whispering in my ear. (laughs) I looked over and he was gone. (laughs) (laughs) If I were an assassin, I would never kill people, I would just convince them to read my books. The osmosis of like. Just someone's in bed, and then you're just there whispering. Yeah. And, and they dream about it, and they wake yeah. up, and they're like, I should do this. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like if Batman ever adopted me for because of some kind of trauma, I would never fight crime. I would just whisper into the Joker's ear, the 100,000 games, and then be gone. <laughs> there are so many potential comedic skits that could be happening with that. Like, he wakes up in the morning, he reaches for a book, and Anthony's in bed with him, and he says, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then Joker goes through a midlife sexual crisis because he can't understand why there's a man in his bed. That would be funny. This went off the rails. Speaking of humor, that would be funny. You know, let's go around again and... Actually, I'll I'll go first this time. Okay. um, Okay. Because I want to set the tone with, like, a book that was... At least a particular scene within the book was unintentionally funny. Hmm. Um, Trevor Noah, Born a Crime. Oh, yeah. 
I, I know you're aware of it, but anyone else read it? Read it. No. I don't know. He talks about growing up, and I mean, a lot of it focuses on his mother and the struggles his mother had to endure uh, throughout his um, young and his young adult, early adult life. Um, but there's this one scene where I can't even remember his age right off, but he defecated oh, yeah. <laughs> on the kitchen floor. But he made sure his grandmother, I believe, it's been a few years, but he made sure his grandmother were to, were, was the one to find it. And of course, he banked on that because his grandmother would come in and blame it on the South African spirits. And it just, the way he's describing this and he's voicing his grandmother, because he also, plug, he narrates the book. So his, his narration is wonderful. If you've seen his show, you know he can speak. Oh yeah, he's great. And I, I can just remember, I was at work at this time and I'm, in tears, and somebody came around, like, I'm just, I'm chortling, and chortling is the word we're gonna go with, but, like, somebody had to come around the corner, like, Andy, are you okay? I'm like, I'm okay! <laughs> like, it was just, we've all experienced this moment with Andy, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, very, and it's a wonderfully written book, and there are there are other funnier moments within it, just, it's, for God's sakes, it's Trevor it's Noah. Trevor. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes, like, one scene just, like, sticks with you the most. Like, that's your funniest scene. Yeah. It's not necessarily the funniest scene. Uh, a book like that that actually is quite surprisingly surprisingly funny because as soon as you hear the title and the number of writers that I've that have recommended that book, like, anytime someone's like, I need a book or recommend me something on how to write better, On Writing by Stephen King is the only book that every writer has ever recommended. Like, everybody has their favorites, but On Writing is, like... It's just that good. But because it's like, it's not just him giving you writing instruction, it's also him telling you like how I became the, a kind of person who would tell stories. It's stupid funny. Like the way he narrates his childhood is so funny. There's an, a scene, speaking of scenes that are funny, where he goes, his mom would like send him out in the woods to go play because this was back in the days when you know you could do that with your children or when people did i don't know anyway so he's out and she had a rule like you cannot come back until the sun comes down because i don't want to see you um and like it was like it's just it was just a like give me peace get out of my face kind of thing because she was a single mom raising two boys so they're out there doing their thing steven gets lost on his way back home and he really has to poop and he's like 11. <laughs> And so he's like, fine, whatever, I'll just poop in the woods. And he does, but he's like halfway through the poop before he realizes there's no toilet paper in these woods. And I'm wearing clothes. Oh, no. So he (laughs) wipes himself with a leaf and panic-stricken, trying to find his way home, he begins to itch the whole way and suddenly realizes... That the leaf that he <laughs> was a poison ivy leaf, and he's yeah, he said that was that was a very painful week for me, and I thought oh, and it's the way it's narrated is hysterical. He's really funny. Now, I've seen a few uh, like just kind of speaking events with him online, mm-hmm. and he must like poop stories because there's there's <laughs> another one that involves diarrhea and uh, like, a, like a like a restaurant that he is he's talked about more than once. So. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Well, so you know, I don't know. Actually, watching him he and is his fun, son, though. he is him and his son. Like when they do events together, I've seen a, a couple. They're really funny. They just kind of crack jokes at each other, 
the whole time, which is funny because you're like, oh, they, they seem like they really like each other. That's kind of a crazy thing, Grant. I was reading this article a couple nights ago, actually, about um, from the American Journal of Whatever Medicine. And do you know, like, being diarrhea prone is hereditary? I did not know that. Yeah, it runs in your genes. You are the most trash human being. I knew this was a weird setup. I, I know. I was like, why is he like side commenting to Grant? The microphone's right there. I'm so confused. Jen, what is your funny book? I think I have a couple that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head. And then this is my regular plug for Red, White, and Royal Blue. Because frankly, mm-hmm. that is a book that has gotten me like sobbing in public, like trying not to let people look at me. That was pretty good. Because there's just something about the way Casey McChristen writes these characters that like the banter is on point Mm -hmm. and it is funny. And then similarly for me, to bounce off one of Andy's earlier comments, City of Bones and the rest of the Shadow Hunter universe is much funnier than people give it No, I completely agree. It is hysterical at times. Like City of Ashes, when they're like heading into the Seely Court, and that's all I'm going to say because you haven't gotten there. Yeah. Stupid funny. Yeah, that well, whole sequence. Basically, anytime Jason Simon have to be around, <laughs> it goes from there. Yeah. All There's the, a scene yeah. in the spin-off trilogy, The Dark Artifices, where it's all of these shadow hunters who are supposed to be like separate from mortal culture. Like they are better, they're set aside, they don't know about human things. Hmm. And they're in a diner, like debating who the hottest or best Avenger is. Oh my God. And they're all like, they're all, one hilarious. of them is like, we're shadow hunters. We're not even supposed to know about this. Also, it's Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> that that's funny. Yeah. Oh, it reminds me of being in Christian school. Now I really have to read that. Yes, you you really do. Also, like the running joke about all the Herondales hating ducks. <laughs> and Clarabella, the reverse mermaid. I could keep going. <laughs> yeah, that one. I'm like, what? Do I have to read 1,500 pages just to get to the reverse mermaid? Yes, Yes, I do. I'm assuming that's where the fish is on top. Yes. (laughs) Of course he gets that. Fish on top, woman on bottom, brought to someone's bachelor party. There's a whole movie in your head now, isn't there? About a reverse mermaid. Yeah, I knew it. It'll be fun. fun. Also, this is in like Edwardian times, just to make it even better. This is in like 1903. Again, that went as a filmmaker. Be a great movie. I went to film school. Oh, You should be. No, I know. I mean, that's kind of the dream, I guess. Uh, right. That's, 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 that's for another episode. You don't know right. that he doesn't listen, make films not here. Listen, Anthony's going to write a book. Grant is going to direct and film the book. I would die. You know, I would love that because it would just be one of those opportunities where I'm like, you know what? I don't even care what you do. Just do something. Make all of my fans angry. I don't even care because I want to see this movie. Yeah, let's see. Anthony's writing it. Grant's making the movie. Andy's narrating the audiobook. We're enjoying it, probably. Probably. <laughs> You're the one making memes based on key scenes. Yes. We are. Yes. The online That's commentary. And I'm probably copy editing it, too. Yeah. Oh, yes. I was like, wait, what? What? Copying? Why would you do that? Yes, no. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Because I don't write anything that she doesn't read. I'm the one making the incorrect joke memes. The incorrect <laughs> yeah, quotes. Right <laughs> I'm starting the ship wars. Yes! Grant, I would love to know what your funny book is because I'm sure it's funny. 
that, and I'm sure it's not the usual standard kind of funny, which is what I love. So you're meaning it's kind of like Song of Achilles giving your heart a hug? (laughs) First of all... Sorry, Grant. I'm sorry. No, no. Um, The book is not that violent. Do I need to go make popcorn? Maybe. Do we have popcorn here? (laughs) Probably so. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. um, Well, one that came to mind was uh, The Men Who Stare at Goats by John Ronson. He's like, uh, I think he's British. He's a British uh, journalist. He kind of goes in a bunch of weird situations. He's written books where he's... He went to like a terrorist training camp and he teamed up with Alex Jones for a while. That probably wouldn't fly now. But, see um, why I told you it would not. It, that's funny. But, see the the title alone just makes the whole thing yeah, worth it. Yeah, it, it was actually turned into a not very good movie, which but, is odd because I kind of like the movie. I haven't read the it's book. Okay. You would. It's okay. It's okay, but the the book is very much a nonfiction. Him interviewing people and going from place to place, but Fair. it kind of focuses on the. Uh, Military in the 60s and 70s when they tried to experiment with like psychics and a bunch of weird alternative, you know, types of warfare and whatnot. Basically trying to make Captain America. Yeah, stuff stuff like that. And like the title comes from this experiment where they they got a whole bunch of psychics in there and they tried to kill goats by staring at them. (laughs) And just the way he he describes some of the stuff is hilarious. Brilliant. Um, and like, I don't know, like the people nowadays that he that were part of this and that he interviews, mm-hmm. like the kind of like burned out hippies and stuff. <laughs> it's just of course it's just really funny. Yeah, that drums. Also it also gets into kind of some unsettling territory where we see that some of the kind of peace and love techniques that were developed back then are now kind of being used for like torture and stuff and you know, it mm-hmm. it, it, it was released mm-hmm. during the war on terror and like Guantanamo Bay and stuff. Sure. Oh, okay. So some of those sure. techniques had their origins in this kind of more well-meaning thing. Uh, but it's very funny and very weird. See? Dark humor. I think dark humor is underappreciated. See, my brain can only think of, like, this really weird, like, scene of, like, a guy staring at a goat, and it's, like, the close-up, the really slow close-up of, like, both sides, like, staring at each other. And all I can think of is, like, O Fortuna playing in the background the whole time. Yeah. I've never seen it. It's just all I can think of. Oh, no. That's funny. narrated by the author. Ooh. Ooh. Gosh. I may have to get that soon. You should. You should. Aaron. Uh, 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 I, I've never really read any real funny ones like that made me like go nuts. Unless it's like really? fan fiction related. Yeah. Like, in, like ever? In, like in the back of my head, like I know that they exist and I've probably like, read, read manga? Books. Yes. Isn't manga funny? Depends. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Depends on which ones you're reading. Uh, okay. There are a couple, like... All right, so when I was a kid, I used to read this uh, manga, and it was called... Bo, 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 bo. See? Literally. That's already okay. funny. <laughs> um, I remember the anime. Yeah, the anime, the anime is a trip and a half. <laughs> um... <laughs> You don't even you don't understand. I, I, <laughs> I don't I'm know. I'm sure I don't to understand. Um, it's basically this guy, and everyone in the world is bald, except for him. Yeah, the premise is very just like out there in the world. That's interesting. And, uh, he he's the only he has like an afro. And of course he does. <laughs> it's really funny because he's trying to stop the people who are bald from taking over the world. 
Because them? Yeah. So, like, there's, like, this organization, and they're bald, and they're trying to steal people's hair, like, and take over the whole planet. That is and brilliant. he's like, I need to stop them. Meanwhile, like, he also has, like, a, like, small preteen girl with pink hair following him everywhere. There's a side character that's literally just, like, a son following him. There's... Like... Like a planet sun? He looks like a planet sun. I'm not entirely sure. I don't remember if he's an actual sun, but he looks like one. And he just, like, walks around. There's a guy that's... Does he have appendages? (laughs) Yes. That's brilliant. A sun person. That's so good. There's literally a guy, and he's just made out of jelly. And he's, like, the enemy for a while. And then they stop him, and he becomes a part of the group. And then on the topic of Prince uh, Zuko, but as jelly. <laughs> okay, yeah, jelly. Zuko. Not really, but yes. <laughs> um, and then there's like this like other preteen guy who's following them around, who is trying to stop the main character at one point, and then joins ahead. And his superpower is he can literally just throw gas at people. And by gas, I don't mean like. I was going to say, if we get more poop, <laughs> yes. it why is poop. Why it's is it always poop? poop. Because poop jokes... Okay, so Daniel Jose Older said this when he was writing his middle grade trilogy, which is about the dinosaurs in the during Reconstruction era. Yes. Yeah. And he said one of the big draws for him in writing that is when he was doing research and discovered that dinosaurs poop a lot... So, by its very nature, if he's doing his world building correctly, he gets to make a lot of poop jokes because it's a bunch of 12-year-olds running around with pooping dinosaurs. Why would you not make poop jokes? I I think you have to. Right, yeah. He's like, and the thing is, kids love poop jokes. And yeah, that's because poop jokes are funny. Um, (laughs) There's nothing funnier than poop. I dare you to try to find something funnier than poop. For Anthony, this is this is the main character. Oh, I've seen that guy. This is the main character for those in the. Why room. is he a fully grown man? That's what terrifies. With a bunch of preteens. Yeah. Can you hold that up again? <laughs> Why are his shoulders the size of my entire head? <laughs> well, I mean, he's got no. the Dorito body going on too. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a, I, I'm half Johnny Bravo, half <laughs> Johnny. Yes. 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 Um, that's that, really There's funny. the sun guy, and the sun guy literally just looks like this. Okay, that's yeah. not what I was expecting. It's like sure. a Pokemon. Very Sonic the Hedgehog. It's it's very weird. I don't know if he's supposed to be like a fish or like a sun person or what. And he's just that character. <laughs> he's supposed to be a machine gun fire. I'm sorry. Like, what? Like he looks like. That pow symbol, like when you're like firing a gun. Uh, that's what he's supposed to be. I just Googled it. He's a walking pow? Yeah, pretty much. See, that's funny. I, like, <laughs> yeah. you just say that. And the whole thing is just like all shenanigans at all times. And when you're reading it, what? reading it or watching it as a child, you really appreciate that random humor that it comes with. And as an adult, you sit there and half the time you're going, why? What is this? What? <laughs> but like as a child, you really like appreciate like the fact that they're literally having a mini soap opera and this guy's nose at one point in the whole entire show. That... Because it just makes sense There's... at the time. Trying yeah. to unpack humor for children is wild sometimes. This, this, this is this is one of those. Yeah. This is definitely Japanese humor, and you definitely know that it's there. 
and it's really weird watching it as an American, but, like, when you're a kid, it makes, like, all the sense in the world. I remember reading the first diary of a wimpy kid book. Oh, gosh, it was more than a decade ago. That is terrifying. Um, But they have been out that long. Yeah, I was 19 teaching in a, or assistant teaching in a third grade classroom, and every kid, regardless of their reader status, was reading those that book, because it had just come out, and I think the second one was on its way. So this, was it the Scholastic Book Fair? Yeah, it was, wow. So we had a Scholastic Book Fair, and they had set up shop in one of the classrooms. So I went down there before leaving work one day to pick up, and I saw Diary of Wimpy Kid, and I was like, I have to read this. Like, all of these kids are in love with it. I'm gonna read this. I laughed myself stupid reading that book because it's actually really funny, but it's also really brilliant. Like the whole stinky cheese thing is hilarious because it fits exactly where you are when you're that age. Like the idea of cheese melting on the pavement and then some like like everyone finding it and deciding that you're going to avoid it. You're going to call it stinky cheese. You're not going to touch it. And if you touch it, then you have the stinky cheese touch. And it's a whole, like, it reminded me of cooties when I was a kid. I hated cooties. It was so stupid. But also, it was a thing. Everybody had them yeah. or didn't want to have them. or Nobody could even tell you what they were. I guess it's COVID. Anyway. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, it just, humor in... I'm convinced that in kids' fiction, a humorless book cannot do well. You're, I, you're not wrong. There always I has really, to be some type of humor. I, Maybe yeah. not necessarily as overtly humorous as like a wimpy kid or a Rick Reardon kind of book, but right. I do think there has to be like something that gets a kid to laugh at some point, I think. It's yeah, like, Harry Potter is hilarious. Yeah. Which is a huge function to why those books work so well, because in the midst of... You know, he's Harry just a very losing funny his character. life. Yeah, I mean, in the midst of Harry losing his life, you have this like whole page sermon by Hermione of like, so here's everything that we've ever done for you, and by the way, we're coming with you. Next yeah. page, please. Like it's it, and the way that it's constructed is is really funny. It yeah, almost or like draws... the killed or worse expelled, <laughs> or the whole Felix Felicis like section. Oh, yeah. that whole oh, yeah. so funny. Yes, and it's, I wonder. Unless you had something you wanted to no. jump off there, but like, you we were texting a little bit about this mm-hmm. before we recorded, and like you were mentioning that children's books like very frequently have humor like as a major function of the story, mm-hmm. and we don't seem to find that as much in adult fiction. No, and I'm what like, and I think there's something to be said too for like, leaving back to not only related to Shadowhunters, but it's the one series that I was thinking about mm-hmm. in relation to this cover some heavy stuff like they are fighting demons like they are people are dying like they are covering some heavy things yeah but there is also enough laughter that i don't come out of that book feeling completely like bleak and hopeless and terrified Mm -hmm. and i feel like sometimes in adult fiction that is trying to be more serious to discuss things that are important matters in a serious way yeah i almost feel like when people leap so hard into like this is serious let's make sure people understand that yeah. they don't put in the humor that lets you take a step back for a minute, like let out that sigh, that laugh, whatever it is that you need to release, yeah, and like actually have enough time for the message to sink in a little bit too. Like complete unending terror doesn't teach anybody anything. It just makes you feel like you have to like drudge on because there's not that humor to let you give that like little reprieve of like 
Yeah, like, <gasps> you need that little okay. bit of release. Let's laugh for a hot to, second, but then it just yeah. feels like you're, like, trudging on in well, the snow trying to get a, clear somewhere. Yeah. There's a good balance, though, and this is actually, like, I was going to say something, and then you jumped in, and then I'm like, no, it actually is a good follow-up. Okay. Follow is there a, bringing up an author like Christopher Moore, mm-hmm. is there a balance? There are books that we read that have intelligently infused moments, like, Harry Potter books, I mean, mm-hmm. really intelligently written in moments of um, hilarity, but then you have a book like um, Lamb, The Gospel According to Biff, Christ's Childhood Pale, um, which is like, pretty hilarious, but I will normally, it's, unless somebody put that in my hands, I probably would not have picked it up off the shelf, right. because I stray away from, like, forced humor books, or... Like, I, it, yeah. in yeah, terms I of, like, movies nowadays, yeah. I don't like to watch comedy movies unless I'm kind of in... It, <laughs> I, I, I do, but I won't go to like the theater. Is it because it feels like a little forced to you? Like, like when, which like is weird, because, like, I go back to movies like Happy Gilmore, and I loved Happy Gilmore, oh, or, you know, things like that. But, like, at the same time, if that same movie were to come out right now, I'd be like, nah, I don't want to see it. And I might still see it, like, a year later and die laughing. But yeah. is there is that weird to have that kind of aversion to, like? I'm not sure. Like, okay, Aaron, go for it. I do it too. Like, okay. it's yeah. not just like, it's like forced, and it doesn't feel natural because it feels like it's just automatically there. And you know it's a comedy, so you know you're automatically yeah. going into it. It's yeah. just you know because that humor is going to be there. You have to be in a certain mindset or a mood to actually just be able to take that and appreciate the forced humor that comes with it, like, in my opinion. And I do also think there mm-hmm. is something to, like, when a, something is specifically billed as, like, humor fiction or comedy movie or whatever it is, I think people do also have the expectation that, like, they want to be rolling in their chair, crying with laughter, et cetera, et cetera. And so if it's not, if it's just either only kind of funny, like, good enough, or if you just don't even find it funny at all, mm-hmm. like, I think that leads to a weirder disappointment than if it was billed as more serious and you actually found out it was funny on this, the way yeah. in. Like, I think there's just an expectation filling there. I have two examples of classics um, that yeah. are just rolling your seat funny. Anything Jane Austen. Well, yeah. <laughs> because she makes a practice of picking on her own characters and wink nodding at the the reader mm-hmm. without it being awkward. Like she's a master of just making you pee yourself laughing and the more you know about the time period that she's writing in, mm-hmm. the more hilarious it is. Like it's it's really like Pride nobody talks about Pride and Prejudice as being hilarious. But it's really funny. Um, and not- Like, literally even the first line, like, you're supposed to read that with, like, a wink and a nod. <laughs> right, you're like, oh, I see what you're doing here. I see what you're doing here. Um, and then Taming of the Shrew. Yes. I remember reading that yes. my senior year in high school, and my still now best friend was cracking up. She's like, did you read the homework yesterday? And I was like, babe, it's Shakespeare. No. Um, she's, I'm just like, I'm waiting until the end of the unit where we have to know everything before the test, and I'm going to read the whole thing in one night and then keep going. And she's like, no, no, no. You have to read this. It's funny. I was like, what are you talking about? It's funny. It's Shakespeare. She's like, no, no, no. It's hilarious. Basically, he thinks he's one-upping her, and she comes back with something that I would say, but in Shakespearean language. And I'm like, oh, got to read it. Like, it's stupid funny That's because the weird basically part about Shakespeare too. No, I think well, yeah, the same thing with Much Ado. Yeah, oh Much Ado. Uh, Much Midsummer Night's so Dream. Like yes. all of the comedies. Yeah. Like I think especially if you're going in at a high school, any sort of like teaching level, mm-hmm. 
you have to help kids understand, like, hey, when they said this phrasing, this is what, like, you would say this nowadays. This is the fun. It's like the whole yeah. opening to Romeo and Juliet, too. Like, it's supposed to be, <laughs> like, real. tragic and romantic. Romantic, I use the term loosely. But, like, if you ever see Romeo and Juliet on stage, mm. like, actually being performed, mm-hmm. that whole entire first sequence goes in, like, a snap. And if you blink, you miss the whole entire interaction, but it's done in such a way that, like, you're dying on the floor laughing by the time all the actual main characters get in there and they have yeah. to get really serious. Yeah. yeah. He really opens it up by, like, going, yo, what's up? Yo, what's up? And then they just start and fighting just each keep, other. Yeah. And they just keep yeah. going. Yeah. And you're just like, oh... Oh, okay. Yeah, like I think you got to keep the pacing when you're doing Shakespeare. Like if you're trying, yep. like if you're plotting, if you're trying to break down every single line as it happens, like no, you got to let some of the rhythm kick in, and yeah. then you can step back and explain what just happened. Right. I mean, they're plays. Have you ever know? seen Much Ado About Nothing? That's that's my favorite Shakespeare comedy. It's really good. It's so good. It's I, so funny. I'll, I'll bring my DVD of it. Yeah. Uh, next week. Keanu it's, Reeves, right? Which is interesting because he's one of my least favorite additions to that production of it. Oh come on, Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson. Of Emma course, Thompson. They, they are they, gold they, standard wherever they go. Yeah, yeah. but I've seen but. the David Tennant and Catherine Tate edition of that Legend of Tomorrow. Oh, that was funny. Y'all. That's funny. Ooh, I could see that. Oh, I could see that. I and to be fair to Keanu, because I really do like Keanu Reeves. Him in that role, I think it was he was the pretty boy of the moment, kind of a. And I, yeah, he was, yeah. I don't think he really did much. I mean, he did the character well enough, I suppose, oh. but he's just kind of like, eh. He he doesn't stand out in that film to me. Whereas, okay, I, I mean, Michael Keaton as Dogberry was in fine form. Yeah, he was really. He good. was. Yeah, and I. Did I, they, I've never seen the Kenneth Branagh Emma Thompson. Were they doing it like period, period, like in? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But because, because it's Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson, you're like. <laughs> but the David Tennant, uh, Catherine Tate. Obviously, all the dialogue remains period, but they've mo- like done modernized costume yeah. setting Ooh, type yeah. thing. Oh. So there's like. Oh, so David they did the Romeo plus Juliet version. Kind of. Yeah. Like there's the scene where um, every like they've planted Beatrice and Benedict, and they're gossiping about how the other one's totally in love with them, like trying to make them fall for each other. I love that. Yeah. And David Tennant is like hanging from like a painter's wire on the ceiling because they like scooped him out of the way that style so he's like dangling overhead <laughs> listening he's got wet paint all over his hands and then when they finally leave and he's like freed himself from the wire and he's back on the floor he's going oh my god she loves me and he does that thing where like he's now his whole face is covered in paint because his hand was covered in paint after he rubs himself in relief and he's just See, covered in drying plaster and this is why and you're all going to scowl at me and you're all going to hate me and I don't care. But <laughs> this is why I love musicals that handle humor well and why Rent can never be as great as everyone wants it to be. Because its humor is forced. It's trying to make you laugh too hard. And you're just like, okay. It's a great scene. That whole Love Evil and awesome. Great stuff. There's no real great musical in there. theater stuff. But every time I've seen a production of it, Maureen is trying to make you laugh in that. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be funny. They're actually tortured. They don't know how they're going to pay their rent. And they're dying. And the, the musical and doesn't play for... Like, Love Bohem? 
Whatever. Scene, what scene did yeah. you Yeah, the Le scene, yeah. Le 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the whole, I mean. Yeah, I have to think about the song now. Um, like all of it. It's, it oh, just, during it that, okay, I know what section yeah, you're the, talking about. Yeah, the whole section in with the cow jumped over the moon thing. It's, it's like in the movie. Oh, it's I hate played, that. Yeah, the, in the movie it's played for humor and the actress is actually really good at because I've seen her in other things, she's really good at humor. In and the even, movie, that's because she was the original actress. Right, in right. The but, even, but even, but even she, it's funny, but not really. Like it's not clever. It's not good humor. For context, it's just kind of Marines Elsa. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So for for the audience. Oh right. Yes. Right. They don't know that. It's just, eh. Um, whereas. Sweeney Todd is hysterical. Oh my god, it's so fantastic. It's so funny, and bad productions of Sweeney Todd are done by people who don't know that it's supposed to be funny. Like, that whole, like, (laughs) song about, I'm gonna chop up all of these people and make them into meat pies. So funny. Because it's... it's, (laughs) They make it so serious, but in the actuality, it's it's, like... Yeah, because it's the whole play is that like it's it's that classic humor example of two very different people have the exact same goal in mind um, for very different reasons. So he's like all broody, dark Batman, like I've got to do this to save my soul, and she's very like, ha ha ha, let's chop up people for money. It's I just want to make a living, right? Yeah. Yes, and it's so it's funny because of how opposite they are, and yet you understand exactly, and you're like, this is gonna work, this is gonna work, and the next scene happens, and you're like, oh. My this it's working that's it's really funny now i've never actually seen the play the original play of that i've seen the tim burton movie but how, how well does the movie translate the spirit of the play or the humor i mean the movie is the hollywood it's tim burton so like it's, the humor is yeah. there but it's also just really dark and serious like but when you see it on stage there's a little bit more humor in there because yeah. there's a lot more leeway in terms of stage direction and how things are able to There's be always done. that chance yeah. to get squirted with fake blood if you're in the spray zone. That too. <laughs> yeah. That too. And the chair. Even just watching the chair in a because in a movie it's like you can make it dramatic, you can do whatever you want. But in real, like watching it on stage, the chair flopping back and people fall, it's it's funny because bodies do weird things. I don't care how many times you rehearse that. In the moment, like sometimes bodies just fall back weird and you're yeah. like, ha ha, the person just died. Like it's it's funny. <laughs> Um, and I can't speak to the quality of it, but I went to uh, Evil Dead, the musical once. Oh, I love Evil Dead. It, it's, yes. it's really fun. It's and, really, yes. And, and we made sure we were in a spot where we would get sprayed with yes. the copious amounts of blood, so that was fun. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, I, yes. Yep. I feel like once COVID's over and Rocky Horror comes back, we should all just go yeah. because we all just need to go see it together. I, I think, wait, wait, go or audition for? Yes, both. Uh, <laughs> well, you can come watch us. Sorry, yes. I tried to watch Rocky Horror, and I was like... Oh, I've never seen the movie, but okay. I've seen it live like four times. Oh, maybe I need Live okay. is a lot different live is than... Yes. Okay, I could... It's a okay. whole different experience live. Okay. You have to be there doing the time warp with like 200 of your closest friends. And you have to be there dressing up in the whole yeah. entire thing, yeah. and there's a lot see. of... Yeah, I can see that. Familiar with Rocky Horror? Yeah. The movie, I haven't seen the movie. Who would you be? If you could fan cast yourself into any role there... Uh, who's the creepy butler guy? Oh, uh, oh, Riff Raff. Riff Raff. <laughs> he actually wrote um, yes, the music and the lyrics. Oh, okay. Uh, Richard O'Brien. Um, oh, for is, Rocky Horror. Is he the guy? He's in Planet of the Apes too, right? <laughs> is he? Is he? Is he? I, doc, doc, I honestly okay. don't know. I see now. I gotta look it up. Planet Richard O'Brien. I could be completely wrong. I think it's Richard O'Brien. I should watch Planet of the Apes. I don't know why. I ha- because it's, okay, Planet of the Apes always struck me as kind of like. Why? 
The well, original or the new? <laughs> period. Listen, the... Oh, I did see the James Franco Planet of the Apes. I really liked um, it. And I liked it, too. Yeah, that was fine. Go back and watch it. It's, it's, it's dated, but at the time... It, that was lauded for the special effects and the comedy, the makeup. For, for me, Planet of the Apes is like an all-time sci-fi, sci-fi classic. Mm-hmm. That right. and uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, where it shows how the apes kind of took over society. Yeah, okay. That one yeah. is probably the first one, then that one, then the second one maybe. That's a really good sequel, I think. There's a couple in there. Wait, that, the like, 2001 ver- version was directed by Tim Burton? Okay. Don't watch that. There was a 2001. <laughs> I didn't know there was. It's not. I've never seen. Wal- oh no. I've never seen any of the Planet of the Apes, so no, I have no idea. The originals what the heck's are worth watching. Uh, okay, yeah, I will add that to my list of rewatching or watching when I rewatch Blade Runner, because um, I haven't seen Blade Runner in forever, and I just anyway. Yeah, I don't care for the one where they go back into the 70s and it, but other than that, it's, it's a pretty good series. <laughs> I think I've heard that before from other. Still thinking about Rocky Horror because I would love, I would love to be part of that show sometime or another. I don't know who I'd want to be. I don't really care. I'm I'm just in the time warp. One of the little the yeah, like all of the options are kind of yeah, yeah. ensemble main. It doesn't matter. I mean, Mm -hmm. secretly, I'd kind of like because I love meatloaf. I would kind of like to be Eddie. I feel like you could pull that off. I think that would be fun. Like I can't decide. Obviously, Janet's fun. But I also, yeah. if I knew how to tap, I'd want to be Columbia, but I can't tap, yeah. so. <laughs> I'll do it. I okay, we got tap. a tapper, we got Columbia. I can tap. I got you. Uh, I would also be Frank in a heartbeat, too. Of course. And oh, something sure. interesting about this, I did see, of the number of productions I've seen over the years, I did see one where you could really clearly tell that these were very talented, classically trained singers. It was the worst performance I've seen of it. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and I'm convinced mediocre voice and energy will carry you over. Yeah. Like, it's specific, and that's it a, does, yeah. that specific production, too. Yeah, like, um, I mean, for Rocky You need Horror. to be a fan first. Yeah. Okay singer, not even a good singer. You could be bad, but... Yeah, and you know, I think that's, like, that's something that's just very true, like, getting not quite back on topic, but, yeah, kind of back on topic. Phantom of the Opera is the same way, where, like, you need really good singers to do Phantom of the Opera oh, gosh. justice. I do not, you I just do not want to hear a Christine who you can't d- sing. Right. You need that. However, it's if you fantastically have, hilarious. It's hilarious. If you, if you have a Phantom stage. cast who can sing their faces off, but nobody understands that it's funny, that whole, um, um, oh gosh, what is that scene? Masquerade, first of all, is hilarious. Yeah. Masquerade is fantastic. But then there's, um, and really hard to sing, but um, then there's the whole, um, oh gosh. Describe it.
to great storytelling. Mm -hmm. Because I get it. Like, it, the situation in Next to Normal is not <laughs> funny. No. But no. people get through <coughs> humorless situations by laughing hysterically. That's why Joker is one of the most clever inventions in comic book history, because he laughs at the worst moments. Like, as he's committing the worst crimes, he's cracking jokes, and he's like, ha look at that, that's funny. And if it's not funny, the writer's bad. Like, yes. you have to look at that and go, ooh, ooh, you know? That is really funny. Like it's it's terrible. One little bit of thing that I second viewing a Snyder cut of the Justice League. I noticed during the nightmare sequence at the end of the film, where all the other like you got uh, Deathstroke, you got Batman, you got you know all these different people. They're serious, and the evil Superman comes out of nowhere. Like the evil Superman comes out of nowhere. Joker's laughing. Exactly. Right. I'm like, right. Yes. He's supposed. That's he's supposed to be. He's not just supposed to. Spoiler alert. He's not just supposed to laugh all the time. Like everybody gets caught up on the laugh. He's supposed to be funny, and he's cracking jokes at how just hilarious trauma is. is. Like, yeah, because you know anyone who's been traumatized uh, will tell you like. There was a funny moment in there, and you're like, wow, that's dark and demented, but actually you're right, that's really funny. <laughs> I don't know. You know, praise to Mark Hamill, too, because I feel like the funniest Joker we've had has been the animated. Anyways, yep. we're deviating. Yeah. Animated series Joker. Love you, Mark Hamill. So funny. Aaron's got a spin. Okay, we got a, wait, really quick. I, if you catch us on Monday, we have Spirit Week, National Yay! Library Week. We have a couple Woo! different shenanigans. We have a wonderful... Um, so basically, if you catch us today. Well, I'm going to get up, up by Monday. Oh, right. Yeah, right, right because... Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. The listener is listening today, which is Monday. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully, yes. Listen. Yes. We recorded this morning. Wink, wink. Sorry. Nudge, nudge. Unreliable. Um, but we have things going on this week. And if you are listening, all seven of you, um, actually, our recent, recent episode was quite well received. But, um,. Yeah, make sure to send us your hate mail. Um, Please. Send us your love. I mean, All flames welcome. I adore them. I want And you can come in and see us. We know quite a few of you. Hopefully you enjoy this as much as we have so far. Mm -hmm. And let us know what books made you laugh. Mm -hmm. However, the real meat of this podcast, <laughs> of smack every me. podcast, we have another smack. All right, so I drew this out of the hat. Uh, jar on the way upstairs downstairs <laughs> whatever. whatever uh so the one that i picked out i didn't really need to but it was just what i picked out so it's poe dameron finn and ray go oh, for, okay listen mm. we're just gonna go there because Can we get rid of ray right off the exactly bat? just get yes. her right off ray you dead sorry she's girl. poorly written she's boring she's yes. yeah nothing yes. against um, daisy ridley we i love like you daisy if she's you listen. yeah daisy ridley's good but the character is awful, and even she couldn't save it. Um, Could any of them? Side so note: We love any you, Daisy. We're sorry. Yeah. I feel like all three of them got. That's true, and all three of them. And Oscar, Oscar Isaac's great. I mean, he did wonders with Poe. First of all, you marry Poe. Yes. Actually, no. Mm. Actually, no. you marry Finn because Poe's a good night out. There you oh. go. Oh. Yeah, because Poe Poe is, po is not marriage material yet. He's mm, fly boy. Get him out of here. Or you just marry Poe and Finn. You officiate their wedding it's a like it should have been in the first place, and then you just leave them to go wander the stars Ooh. together because that's how it should have ended. Yes. I like that. I like that's that. That's a good take. Listen, Maybe Hollywood, you should have written the Star Wars. Hollywood is homophobic, and I'm going to die on this hill until they prove <laughs> Oh, you otherwise. didn't like that one little five like nanosecond scene in Last Jedi? The lesbian kiss in 
the what is it? The Rise of Skywalker is trash. It's trash. Not because it's a lesbian kiss, but because it's five seconds at the end of a victory speech. So you also just love the exclusively gay moment in the live action Beauty and the Beast? Okay, but at least they had a whole, like, first of all. Build up? There was a whole build up to that. Like, the character LeFou had that whole song where he's literally, like, thirst trapping after, you know, what's his name? Gaston. Gaston. Gaston, yes. Like, he's literally, like, foaming at the mouth watching Gaston dance on tables. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's a real gay person who doesn't want to let his friend know. By the way, anyway. So it worked in Beauty and the Beast. All five seconds of him dancing with another man. It's still queer phobic. I'm sorry. Disney, get... I'm done. <laughs> you know what's not funny? Your queer phobia, Disney Plus. Maybe in Frozen 3, they'll look Elsa a lesbian. All I'm going to say is Raya and the Last Dragon, Raya and the Last Dragon, Raya and the Last Dragon. <laughs> How you managed to make a completely heterosexual movie with the most sapphic energy I've ever seen on screen. <laughs> Don't know, but Disney... It, it's your thing. I feel like I'm watching like a tennis match because <laughs> I'm sitting right in between them. <laughs> Wait, what was the book you want? Um, can you read, by the way? That's even better. Right. Yep.